or Fox News. One ongoing story was about a large group of rebels called the Israelites, who had left Egypt and were wandering for many years through the desert of Sinai. They did not have gods for all different occupations or tasks, but only one God who looked after every area of life. He gave them everything they needed, cared for them against all enemies, and even controlled nature. For example, he helped them walk away from Pharaoh of Egypt by drying up a path through the Red Sea. He led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He daily gave them food called manna to eat. He even caused the sun to stand still to help them completely win a battle. He enabled them to overcome the kingdoms of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan. As the Israelites neared Jericho, everyone was scared silly, and I became more and more intrigued. What kind of God is this? What would it be like to have such a God for myself? Would such a God help me be a better person in spite of my reputation and past? I could see the fear of the city officials as they tried to keep control over the comings and goings at the city gates. I too was concerned, but I was also hopeful that I would see history being made. One day, two swarthy men came for lodging. I could see at a glance that they were not usual travelers or callers by their speech and demeanor. They asked questions about the city's security, the operations of commerce, and the fortifications of the walls. I showed them to my rooftop, which was part of the city wall. I dried flax on the rooftop for the making of linens, so we had to walk around the piles to look over the countryside. I showed them the masonry of the walls in my house, which were actually part of the city wall. I asked them many questions too. They told me more about their God and how they lived to honor him. I was extremely interested and asked if this God accepted other people besides Israelites. They said that God accepts all those who come to him. We discussed, we discussed much and established a sort of trust relationship. I suddenly heard pounding on the door. Quick, get on the roof, I said. They lay down and I covered them with flax sheaves making sure to cover their sandals. I ran downstairs, mussing up my hair and pulling on a cloak. Sure enough, it was the security guards. Where are the men who came here, they asked. They were seen entering your house. If you are talking about the merchants from the east, they went to the city markets. If you are talking about the two desert men, they left just before the city gates were closed a little while ago. If you hurry, you should be able to catch up to them. There is no one here. You can look if you like. They quickly left to try to catch the men. I closed the door, took a deep breath, and tried to think what to do. I slowly went up to the rooftop and uncovered the men. I know that you are here to assess the city, and I know that your God will help you to capture it, I said. I will help you escape, 
but I want you to promise, swear on oath by your God, that you will save me and my family when you do. I have strong rope that I can use to lower you over the wall. Please save me and my loved ones. May you and your God have compassion on me. One of the men, whose name was Salmon, looked with amazement, relief, and respect. He said, our lives for you. You don't tell what we are doing, and we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So I did just that. I got the rope, tied it around each one, and lowered them down. As they left, I warned them to run to the hills away from the river and wait three days before attempting to get back to their people. They had some advice for me, too. Our oath will not be binding on us unless, when we enter the land, you tie scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. This scarlet cord would identify my house. The moment their feet hit the ground, I secured a scarlet cord to the window ledge. Then I called my extended family and told them to stay safe with me because the Israelites were coming. Soon, my house was full of relatives. Everyone wanted to hear all about the two spies. We settled down to see what would happen. So we waited. Sure enough, here came the Israelites, marching, marching. They came right up to the wall and surrounded it. Then they started marching again until they had gone around the whole city one time. Then they went back to their camp. Maybe they were just looking things over. The next day they came again, marching, marching around the city one time, and then went back to camp. What was going on? My relatives began to make comments about crazy Rahab and her crazy acquaintances. And so it went. Every day the Israelites would suit up for battle, surround the city, and march in unison around the city. This went on for six days. By now, the leaders of Jericho and the people who had been shaking in dread became somewhat confused. Every day they just march around in obedience to their God. My relatives began to seriously question if they were actually going to attack. I assured them that we must wait on the timing of the Lord God of Israel. On the seventh day, the marching started very early. They marched around, then marched again and again seven times. Marching, marching, marching. What a throbbing sound. It seemed like our hearts throbbed in time. Then they stopped dead still. Then came the sound of the trumpets, and all the Israelites gave a great shout. I and my family held our breath as we heard the sound of the walls of the city crumbling and the sounds of fierce fighting as the world outside totally fell apart. It was terrifying. I clung to the hope that the God of Israel would save me. Any moment it seemed like our part of the wall would be destroyed too. But no, here came Salmon and his partner to lead us to safety. 
they had been true to the oath they made in the name of the Lord of Israel. My family and I were to become part of a new community, have a new beginning, a new life. This story is true. I, who had not belonged, now became a part of something indescribably big. I, who had been alienated from my family, had been able to assure their safety. I, who had had no hope for my future, was given one, for I was blessed to become the wife of Solomon. I would see my son and grandson. You can know all this because my name and story are written in the Bible, the story of God's salvation for all mankind. My salvation from a life of sin, from a city of sin, from the destruction of that city, are a tiny part of history, a small example of God's great mercy for his people. Praise him for his salvation. I invite you to turn with me to Joshua, chapter 2, the book of Joshua, found right after Deuteronomy in the early part of the Old Testament. And these are the very written words of God to us. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan, and as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, and when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of, because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please, Swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. 
Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the man assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the, uh, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. The men said to her, this oath you will this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you have let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers, and all your family into your house. If anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Father, thank you. Thank you for the story of Rahab. Thank you for your word that that shows us who you are, but also shows us who we are. Thank you for this time of worship to install new office bearers, to sing praise to you, to pray to you, to listen to your word. And Lord, we pray that this time of worship will shape us and form us more and more into the people you've called us to be. And I pray that the words which will be spoken now, Lord, may they be your words and not mine. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. This morning's story is all about spies and intrigue. It's about foreign armies. It's about, it's about harlots. Who says the Bible's boring? There's so much in this story. I remember studying the book of Joshua with a group of people, oh, about 10 years ago now. And this one chapter took us three weeks to get through. There was so much 
about who God is, but also about the kind of people that God uses to move his plans forward. Often people, we wouldn't choose ourselves. Israel's been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years now. And it's about time for them to claim the land that God's given them, or that God is going to give him. They're no longer a, a gaggle, a, a mess of slaves who, uh, who, who aren't really unified. They, they aren't, you know, uh, tribes and clans who are, who are fighting against each other and who all think they know best. They're a people now who have been forged by, by 40 years of, of wandering, of, of battling other nations, of, of coming together under the law that God gave them at Sinai, of, of being shaped by all those commandments and rules and ways of life that God gave them 40 years earlier. Now they are strong, a disciplined, a powerful people. Uh, people that other nations look at and go, oh, I sure hope they aren't coming our way. And the people of Jericho are no different. Joshua, before going up against Jericho, does the smart thing as a general. He sends two spies to, to kind of check out the land, to check out the people, to find out, you know, what's kind of going on and what do we got to look for and be careful about and, and what kind of intelligence can we get? Now, they're not the best spies because they get caught pretty quickly. And they go to Rahab's place fascinating thing about Rahab is that the Bible is really clear about who she is. She's a harlot, a prostitute, someone who sells herself to men. Christian church over, over the centuries has tried to say, no, she's just an innkeeper. The Jewish people, they're really clear. Rahab was not somebody that married into your family, and Rahab was not somebody that you invited home. Rahab was someone you kept on the fringes. You stick them in the city wall so that if men are going to go there or foreigners are going to come and they're going to look for a woman like that, you just kind of keep them away from all the respectable people. That's who Rahab is. And that's where the spies end up. These spies who have been given all these rules and commandments about holiness and purity and, and who you should associate with and who you shouldn't associate with, and they find themselves, or they make their way, to Rahab's place. And they stay there. Actually makes a whole lot of sense. If you want to find out all the secrets of a place, that's the kind of person you go to. It's amazing the news that Rahab gathers. She knows the heart of her people. She knows how afraid they are. She hears the men talk. And she just kind of keeps it all to herself. But she also hears all the stories about who this people are that are moving their way. And she goes, wait a minute. There's something about those people. Now remember, in that time, every people had their own God. 
So Jericho's got their gods, multiple gods. But she hears about these Israelites that have only one God. And boy, that God is way different than their gods. Israel doesn't have to guess about what their God wants. He's told them exactly what he wants. He's also told them exactly what he's giving them, the land that Jericho's in. And she sees and hears the stories over the last 40 years and goes, wait a minute. I think that God is way more powerful than our God's. And you can see her starting to figure things out, going, hmm. So when the spies end up at her place, she realizes this is an opportunity for her to kind of get on their God's right side. So she takes them in. She hides them. The Jewish website, the Torah.com, reminds us that again and again, God chooses unlikely human instruments, either flipping systems of social power or making it supremely clear that the true power belongs to God alone, or both. To be sure, Rahab represents such marginality in several ways. She's a woman, and a single childless woman at that. She's not part of Israel, but one of the people of a city that's about to be conquered. And finally, of course, she's a prostitute. You know, if I'm creating a hero for a story, I'm looking at Joshua. I'm not looking at Rahab. But God often chooses the weak, the rejected, the undesirable to accomplish his plans. Thank you, Kayla. That was a great, great reminder. But he also uses these types of people to show Israel what faith looks like. To help remind Israel and us today that this is all about what God's doing. This is no way about how powerful Israel is. This is all about what God is doing. So after hiding the spies, sending them on their way, on a wild goose chase, Rahab shows incredible insight into what's really going on. You know, as the king's men are going one way, the spies are are hiding in Rahab's house, and, and Rahab now gets them out and says, okay, I've done my part. I know that the Lord's given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We heard all the stories about about what's happened in the last 40 years. And and when we heard of all these stories, our hearts melted in fear. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Hmm, Rahab says, yeah, your your God's the one in control. This land is going to be your land. And there ain't nothing we can do about that. Rahab in her line of work has heard what her people are saying. And they're terrified. 
This fear has been building up for years. And you know what? That's what God said already back in Deuteronomy 25, 40 years earlier, when they didn't trust in God. God began working in their heart, in the Canaanites' hearts. This very day, he says, I will begin to put terror and fear of you on all the nations under heaven. They will hear reports of you and will tremble and be in anguish because of you. Now remember, God is saying that after they've come back and 10 of the 12 spies have said, we ain't got a chance, man. These people are way too powerful. And Israel's hearts were melting in fear. And now 40 years later, God has done what he does so well. He has turned his tables completely. He has switched the hearts around. Now it's not Israel's hearts that are melting in fear. It's not Israel who's afraid. Now it's the Canaanites. And they are petrified. See, God knows a huge truth. That fear weakens people. It weakens nations. It even weakens churches. John talks about that in his first letter. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. That's why John is called the apostle of love because he keeps reminding us of God's perfect love for us. He keeps talking about how much Jesus loves us, how much he loves the people. In John's Gospels, you you see time and time again how, how Jesus is attracted to those who are down and out, to those who are on the fringes, to those who are despised. And he invites them to become part of the family of God. And when we come to that place where we finally get it, We finally understand just how deep and powerful Jesus' love is for us. A love expressed on the cross. That's when we start to realize that just maybe our sin really is taken away. That we don't have to fear punishment. We don't have to be afraid of punishment of Jesus who is King of kings and Lord of lords. We don't have to be afraid of the Father who is God of gods and more powerful than anything else. Canaanites follow gods they've created for themselves. They find themselves against God. Rahab knows a losing game when she sees a fear in her own people, a fear that weakens them. But God doesn't want us to be weak doesn't want us to be his people here in Lacombe, afraid to talk about who he is, afraid to, to, to talk about, about the issues of the day from a biblical perspective, from a, a perspective of, of God who says, this is how I have created things. This is who I want you to be, and then be those people. He doesn't want us to, to cower back and say, ah, I'm afraid I might lose these friends or I might look silly because I say I'm a follower of Jesus. As Jesus' love, the knowledge of it soaks deeper and deeper into us, it gives us strength. It gives us hope. 
Rahab recognizes that God's the one who's protected Israelites during the past 40 years. Canaanites' hearts melted in fear because the last 40 years have been stories one after another of how God has been shaping and forming his people. And in the same time, God has been shaping their hearts to become weaker and weaker and weaker. That's why so many people are open to the message of Jesus Christ. Because there is a lot of fear out there today. There is fear because inflation is so big and there are so many more people who are afraid of being that they can't put food on the table or, or pay their bills or, or just get by day to day. They're afraid that there is way too much month and not enough money. Over and over again, we hear that family violence and, and just... Anger and hatred and fear is creating more and more stress and brokenness in families. We hear and we watch our, our, our leaders in our province, in our country. And they don't work together, they work against each other. And then they use fear to get us to get on their sides. Fear has almost become a normal part of life. And people don't want fear. People want to know reassurance that they can find strength, they can find hope. They, they can find a place where, where they can be respected and honored and loved and supported and built up and encouraged for who they are. But that there's also opportunities for them to become more than who they are. That's what Jesus offers. That's what we offer as a church. See, Rahab, Rahab, he says these, these words, these astonishing words, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Israel's God is the Lord of the universe. God over everything. Even other gods bow down to Israel's God. This is extraordinary and completely unexpected. Rahab makes the switch in her allegiance from her people and God to God and the people of Israel. That's why she says, show me kindness. Protect me as you come to, to destroy our city. Show kindness to my family. And she uses a, a word hesed, which is which is often translated as covenantal faithfulness. Make these promises not from you, but, but make these promises to me and my family from your God. From the one who is in control of everything, unlike our gods. The spies agree and give her a scarlet cord to tie in her window to keep her and her family safe. One rabbi says, 
this echoes so much back to the Exodus. A scarlet cord protects Rahab and her family. A scarlet blood protected the people of Israel as the angel of death went through. And the angel of death does come through Jericho because it's not the Israelites who defeat Jericho. It is God himself. Rahab commits herself to Yahweh, to the God of Israel, choosing God by helping the spies to escape with all the knowledge they need. She doesn't ask for a place of power or influence. All she asks is that they take care of her, that they accept her and her family. Kata quoted from 1 Corinthians 1. You know, not many of you are wise by human standards. Not many were influential, not many of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you're in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. God deliberately chooses Rahab, a foreign prostitute despised by her own people, to reveal to Israel who their God is and what their God is doing. God doesn't appear to Joshua and his people and say, hey, you know what? It's all ready for you. The people are afraid. God uses Rahab, someone despised, to encourage, to strengthen God's people for what lies ahead. In seminary, one of my classmates, Angela, tats up and down her arms, tats on the back of her shoulders, on her legs. She lived on the streets for many years. She had sold herself to get by. She had been abused. She found herself in seminary. No high school degree. No college degree. But she showed a wisdom she showed an insight into God that so many of us who had grown up in the church, who had done kind of the whole churchy way, didn't know God in that same way. She knew a God who came to her when she was broken. God who said, I am going to use you to bring hope to the people that the church no longer sees. And when she told her story to the seminary, they accepted her. She's now working on the streets in Chicago, bringing hope to others who are despised, who, who believe that God doesn't see them, who doesn't care. Tells them that God can use you to bring hope and to bring strength 
Matthew 1 tells us that Rahab marries into the Jewish people, becomes part of the family line of Jesus through King David. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. God's ways definitely aren't our ways. And he knows our hearts better than we do ourselves. God can and often does use people we believe are unworthy and have nothing to offer us or God. We underestimate the grace of Jesus. Jesus is at work in our community. As we've mentioned, there are many who live in fear. Many who live in so much stress. And yet we've seen God at work in the lives of the people in our community. Leading to the rise of the broom tree ministry. New programs by FCSS. The work of Central Alberta Youth Unlimited. New commitments by churches to reach into the community with the hope of Jesus. Jesus has been preparing this time, for this time, long before we realized it. Preparing us for his work right here, right now. And Jesus is able to accomplish great things through our openness to the Holy Spirit and through our obedience. You see, faith is about responding to the movement of God. Hebrews 11, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed but those who were disobedient. Rahab, because of faith. She chooses God and God welcomes her into his family. John tells us that all those who believe in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. That's why he went to the cross. To wash away our sin. To offer grace to all those who come to him. To find hope, grace, and forgiveness. No matter what our past looks like. Even no matter what our present looks like. If you're here this morning, if you are listening through a screen, if you believe you are not worthy of God, you're wrong. You've been created in the image of God. God is working in you right now. That's why you're listening. That's why you're here. God is saying, I want you as part of my family. I have been moving in your life for a long time already. If you want to belong, believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Trust in me as your God, as your Father. And I will protect you. I will keep you safe. And I will make you part of a family part of something so much bigger than you could ever dream. I will make you part of something that can change this world in ways that nothing we create ever can. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the reminder of Rahab that you choose the people that you work through that there is none who stands outside of your love and your grace, your forgiveness, your acceptance. Lord, all you call, 
call us to do is to accept you, to believe in Jesus, to trust that you can clean our hearts, clean our lives, and use us in ways that we could never imagine. So Lord, may we as individuals, may we as a church here in this community, step forward in faith and strength and hope to change this community in ways so it looks more and more like your kingdom. A place where Hesed, where your covenantal faithfulness rests over all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In response, let's sing, Praise my soul, the King of heaven. thank you. Thank you for the reassurance, for the hope, for the grace that is found in the story of Rahab. Thank you that you've been working in our lives way before we even realized it.
And Lord, for those who are, are searching, for, for those who are seeking, who, for those of us who doubt that you could ever accept us, Lord, work in us your grace. Lord, take away our fear. Lord, fill us with your strength, and with your peace. Lord, there are many who are walking through difficult times. Lord, we think of those in our own family, of, uh, of Emily and Joyce and, and for Ben and others who either themselves or their family, for uh, Anelia and Wes as well, that there are those in their family who are wrestling or they themselves with health issues. And, and Lord, we pray for your peace and for your strength. We pray for, for your healing where, uh, where, where it's your will. But Lord, whatever your will is, we pray that you will give us grace to walk alongside each other, to keep reminding ourselves that we belong to you, God of God and Lord of Lords, to the one who created us, to the great physician. Lord, there are many who are hurting and struggling in our lives and in our community, and we pray for all, the, all these amazing organizations in our community that you have uh, placed some years and years ago, some just recently, who, who are here to walk alongside the, the broken and the afraid, the, the ones who don't feel safe, the ones who are, are struggling. So Lord, we, we lift up the, the broom tree and CAYU, we think of SCSS, we think of our city government, we think of all the churches who are engaged in our community to, to bring healing and, and hope, to walk alongside so that people don't have to walk alone. And Lord, use us as individuals, as families, as a church to be your presence in powerful ways and in the Lacombe and Lacombe area. Lord, we, we give thanks for a newly ordained elder, for Henry, and we pray that you'll bless Henry and use him to be a blessing to Bethel and to our community. Fill him with your wisdom and strength. We pray for our neighbors, our co-workers, our fellow students and family members and, and all those others who have not accepted your son as their Lord or for those who drifted away from the faith. Lord, use us. Use us to draw them to you through our testimonies, through our presence in their lives. May we as a church be a safe and inviting place for them to explore their questions and doubts as you draw them to you. We pray for our children and youth that they can grow to know Jesus and never have to walk in fear, to always be able to walk in strength because they know that they are chosen and loved by you. Lord, may their faith, which is a small seed now, may it grow in them to become flourishing trees in our community and wherever you lead them. Lord, we pray for our fellow churches in Lacombe and in our classes, Alberta North. This morning we pray for Maranatha Church in Edmonton that there'll be a blessing in their community as they strive to become a, a multicultural, a multi-ethnic church in, in the Beverly area of Edmonton. And Lord, may, give them wisdom as they walk through all the, the tensions and the, the, the joys and the stresses that come from being a multicultural church. 
This morning we pray for St. Stephen's Catholic Church that here in Lacombe that you'll bless their ministry as they serve you here. Lord, we ask that you bless all your churches and all your ministries and all those that you have called to be here in, in the central Alberta region to, uh, be a, to be a testimony, to be a witness to who you are. Lord, we do ask for your blessing and we ask that you will use us to be a blessing. And Lord, there are many, many things that we have not prayed for this morning. So Lord, we take a moment in silence to bring to you our, our struggles, our hurts, uh, for, for those who need you in special ways, but we also bring our, our joys and our celebrations to you, our, our thankfulness for, uh, uh, for all the blessings you've given us. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.